Hello everybody, welcome back to another episode of Decoding the Unknown, the show where we decode the unknown. Yes, yes, what happens here? One of my writers, in this case, Dave. Thank you, Dave, has written me a script. I've never read it before. I'm going to react to it. It's uh, Moon Landing, the ultimate hoax or greatest achievement. Tell you what, it's the greatest achievement. It's not a hoax. The, the biggest argument that I've heard for this, and I'm sorry to jump ahead. I'm sure Dave will explain this because he's not insane, is that if the moon landing was hoaxed, we'd know about it by now. Like, for the few years after the moon landing happened, it could be fake. Like, sure, people could keep it under wraps for a certain amount of time. But thousands of people were involved in this. Thousands of people have probably who are involved with this have probably now died. And none of them? Deathbed confession? None of them have leaked anything? No leaks? Ever? Other than the insane stuff like Stanley Kubrick left messages in The Shining? That sort of stupid stuff? It, we know it happens because it's really late and the other uh, it's been a really long time and the chances of it coming out as fake over time increase and secondly the soviets had a really good reason to be like that's nah, fake never happens and even they were like yeah it happens they beat us that's it that's it and that's all let's move on into today's video thank you On the 21st of July 1969, at about 3.30am, a five-year-old girl was shaken awake by her father, silently indicating that she should follow him and not wake the younger children. They crept downstairs and into the living room. What's happening? The little girl asked sleepily. Her father replied, You've got to see this. It's going to be one of the biggest defining moments in the history of mankind. Whereupon they snuggled together on the sofa and watched on a nine-inch black-and-white portable television as at 3.45am, Neil Armstrong and Buzz Aldrin took their first steps on the moon. The man in question was my grandfather, the daughter, my mother, and various versions of this story have been told on countless occasions at almost every family gathering since that point. But did it really happen? Did my mother, my grandfather, and 650 million people really see the eagle land, the astronauts descend the ladder and walk on the moon for the very first time? Or, as many people have claimed over the years, did they in fact watch an elaborately staged hoax on a recording stage somewhere in America? In today's episode, we're going to look at exactly what the official version of events is, some of the alternate versions that have been put forward, and the information that supports each side. Hopefully, by the end of the video, we should be able to definitively answer the age-old question of whether or not man landed on the moon. And not to immediately send you looking for something else, but when I was a kid, not a kid, a teenager, there was... It's one of the, the moments in my memory that is, has most stuck with me. And it was just, you know, before we had Netflix and all of this, I was just sitting at home watching TV one evening. And so I think we probably had like four or five channels to choose from at that point. And I just started watching this documentary about how the moon landing was faked. And I'm like, oh my God, I'm watching this. It's like an hour long documentary. And I'm watching it and I'm like, oh my God, the evidence is irrefutable. Like you can't see the stars, the flags waving, all of this stuff. And halfway into this documentary, I'm like, I, I guess, the moon landing was faked. Oh my god. This is blowing my mind. This is on television. Everyone should know this. Everyone will now know this. And then the next half of the documentary was... It was set up this way. Uh, the next half of the documentary was them absolutely destroying all of the conspiracy points that they'd made in the first half hour leading you on. And then after that, I was like, oh my god, people are easily convinced. And it wasn't really a documentary about the moon landing. 
It was just a documentary about how conspiracy theories work, and it was brilliant. The Space Race During the 1950s, with the Cold War in full swing, the space race was a big deal. Although it was mostly presented to the public as a race for technological advancement and space exploration, in reality, the outcome had the potential to be much more serious. Now, I'm aware that nobody clicked on this video to get a history of the Cold War, but there are a few things that it's important to mention. That's okay, Dave. People click on these videos. They're long. They, they ramble. We, we take detours together. I like to, you know, these are definitely videos, but they're also like, I think of them as podcasts. Like, I do lots of videos on YouTube, which are kind of shorter form, straight into the point. And then I also do podcasts, which ramble a little bit. They take their time. We go on a journey. The Soviet launch of Sputnik 1 in 1957 represented a huge military threat. Not only did it prove that the Soviets were capable of potentially launching satellites that could monitor their enemies, it also proved that they had missile capabilities to land a nuclear warhead anywhere on the globe. This launch served as a very brutal wake-up call for the United States and led to the development and launch of their own satellite, Explorer 1, in 1958. You guys seen that TV show? Speaking of rambling. Uh, for All Mankind, which explores the alternate history of the Soviets landing on the moon first and basically the Amer- Like, history was the Americans land on the moon and the space race is won, right? And then from there it's like, okay, we're not going to try and land anyone on the moon. The Soviets, in, in For All Mankind, the Soviets get to the moon first and America's like, well, we're going to build the first moon base. And it goes from there and it's incredible. It's a brilliant TV show that is so well thought out and so clever. And I'm so excited for the new season I'm probably going to have to wait like four years for because of all this striking that's going on. Later that same year, President Eisenhower signed into existence the National Aeronautics and Space Administration NASA, along with the National Reconnaissance Office, a top-secret program designed to gather information on the Soviets through the use of orbiting satellites. In 1959, the Soviets would move further into the lead when they launched Luna 2, the first man-made probe to hit the surface of the moon. And in 1961, a Russian cosmonaut was the first human to orbit the Earth. But in May of 1961, obviously tired of playing keep up with the Soviets, President Kennedy stated that by the end of the decade, America would put a man on the surface of the moon. By the end of 1962, the foundations of the Apollo lunar program were in place, and the race was on. It's so badass, like Kennedy's speech. I'm not going to try and imitate Kennedy, but it's like, we do the things that are impossible or whatever, and it's like, god damn, that's a motivating, moving speech. And it did motivate people because seven fucking years later, from not having a man in space in America to having them on the surface of the moon, a feat that has not been repeated, is remarkable. Getting and absolutely happens. Getting to the moon. It appears that President Kennedy took his statement very seriously. According to History.com, quote, From 1961 to 1964, NASA's budget was increased almost 500%, and the lunar landing program eventually involved some 34,000 NASA employees and 375,000 employees of industrial and university contractors. Even with all this manpower, just exactly how the process of landing humans on the moon would be accomplished was far from decided. Initially, there were three main ideas. The first, referred to as direct ascent, would involve the astronauts traveling in a single modular spaceship out of Earth's atmosphere to the moon to the lunar surface and back. Although this might appear to be the most logical solution, it presented several logistical issues. I, I guess, like, looking at it simply, that appears to be the most logical issue, but also that spacecraft that goes to the moon is going to be big. And there's no need to land something that big on the moon. I think of like Star Trek, where they'll send the shuttle down. It's not like every time they're just, in fact, the Enterprise can't land on a planet. I'm a nerd. Uh, but they're not sending the entire spaceship down to the planet's surface. 
they're using shuttles or transporters and because transporters aren't real we have shuttle uh sh we'll use shuttles like the lem firstly one singular module would result in the use of much more fuel and landing the entire craft on the lunar surface and taking off again would be much more difficult yes however perhaps the main reason that this idea was left by the wayside was that designers and project managers informed nasa that such a vehicle could not be completed until at least 1970 given that the promise had been that america would land on the a man on the surface of the moon by the end of the decade this would not be acceptable the second ah oh, back when governments used to take deadlines seriously <laughs> how far behind are those trains in the uk government the second proposal earth orbit rendezvous would involve launching the astronaut capsule and propulsion unit that would carry them to the moon separately and having them link up in earth's orbit before continuing the journey this idea was ultimately dismissed because it necessitated two separate launches essentially doubling the risks involved this left only one option and it was this option that nasa eventually went with the saturn V rocket would place a 50-ton three-module spacecraft on a lunar trajectory from there it would proceed to the moon enter orbit and then the lunar module would detach and begin its descent to the surface half of this module would be left on the surface and the other half dubbed the ascent module would return the lunar explorers to the command module before itself being left behind in lunar orbit once the command module returned to earth the service module which contained the fuel and various other essential components for the journey would be released to burn up in earth's atmosphere before the command module returned safely to the surface you can see why people in the 60s were like oh my god we're gonna conquer the universe because they were doing it's insane today that this is possible the moon is really far away like when you think of the moon in like those pictures of like you know textbooks or whatever you've got the moon like this people um, uh, who were just listening i'm holding up a coaster and then you've got like the moon like super close by like over here and quite big but in reality this moon's like miles away i mean obviously it's miles away it's really far away it's really far away it's probably like this it's like woo to get there is insanity it was insanity in the night it's insanity today and they did this in the 1960s the 60s my dad was 14. although this idea appeared to be the most complicated it meant that on the return journey the craft would require far less fuel of course once this course of action had been decided upon extensive testing began although the apollo program would suffer several setbacks most notably in 1967 when three astronauts were killed by a fire that broke out during a training simulation and resulted in the deaths of astronauts virgil grissom edward white and roger chafee in 1968 they appeared to be on track to deliver on time when the apollo 8 craft became the first manned vehicle to orbit the moon in contrast the russian lunar program was proceeding much more tentatively this was partly due to a lot of internal political debate as to whether or not reaching the moon was actually necessary and partly due to the unexpected death of sergey korolev the chief engineer of the soviet space program you don't have to look too hard online to find half-baked theories that suggest his death was a top secret assassination by the american government as you may not be too surprised to hear there is absolutely no evidence to support this shocking that's why we call it half-baked this one's not even a quarter it's not even baked at all it's just nonsense there's no evidence by july 1969 everything was ready the world watched in awe as apart from a few minor technical difficulties nasa's incredibly ambitious plan unfolded without a hitch and neil armstrong and buzz aldrin walked on the surface of the moon before returning safely to earth the americans had won the long-fought space race over their soviet opponents proving for now at least their technology and creative superiority or had they there is and i saw it first on a tv show i can't was it was it that tv show which does alternate histories i can't god what's it called it's so good they go inside like a inside a sphere and they go back in time and it was so nicely made 
and I, it didn't seem that popular. I think it ended up getting cancelled, but I really... Timeless? Was it called Timeless? And in that one episode, they have one where they go back in time, and it's like um, something happened with... It was when I first heard that there was an alternate um, plan for, like, a speech by Kennedy, or I guess not Kennedy at that point, Nixon? Nixon? Was after Kennedy? Or was, was when the landing took place on the moon, which he would give if they didn't successfully come home? Let me just see that. Speech for unsuccessful moon landing yeah nixon oh wow this is so cool they've even it's even like straight from the archives yeah it's got a, it's a whole speech here it's even got like prior to the president's statement the president should telephone each of the widows to be after the president's statement at the point when nasa ends communications with the men a clergyman should adopt the same procedure as a burial at sea condemning their souls to the deepest of the deep concluding with the lord's prayer oh my god except they're still alive they're just dying up there oh it's so dark but it reads fate has ordained that the many went to the moon to explore in peace will stay on the moon to rest in peace these brave men neil armstrong and edward aldrin know that there is no hope for their recovery but they also know that there is hope for mankind in their sacrifice i'm gonna continue and i'm just reading like a failed speech but i'm super interested because i can't remember what comes next it's like it's just a few more lines these two men are laying down their lives in mankind's most noble goal the search for truth and understanding they will be mourned by the families and friends they will be mourned by their nation they will be mourned by the people of the world they will be mourned by a mother earth that dared send two of her sons into the unknown in their exploration they stirred the people of the world to feel as one in their sacrifice they bind more tightly the brotherhood of man in ancient days men looked at the stars and saw their heroes in the constellations in modern times we do much the same but our heroes are epic men of flesh and blood others will follow and surely find their way home man's search will not be denied but these men were the first and they will remain the foremost in our hearts for every human being who looks up at the moon in the nights to come will know how there is some corner of another world that is forever mankind god it's so fucking good isn't it jesus whoever wrote that is a genius anyway back to today's story almost as soon as the broadcast ended there were those out there who questioned its validity although at that point non-believers were not that common various conspiracy theories have as they always will gain traction over the years and this has resulted in a thriving community of those who do not believe that the moon landing actually happens of course the internet has provided a marvelous opportunity for these people to get together exchange ideas and generally multiply but do any of these conspiracy theories hold water or if you will moon dust let us take a wedge to some of them and see if they hold up in the face of evidence and fact spoiler alert they don't the majority of those out there who believe that the entire thing was a hoax including depending on whose statistics you look at between six and ten percent of americans claim that the entire landing was staged at area 51 in the nevada desert in order to ensure that the resulting video looked good enough to fool not only the public but also the entire ussr not to mention the rest of the world nasa is alleged to have employed the services of legendary movie producer stanley kubrick it has even been claimed that on his deathbed kubrick admitted the entire thing had been a hoax and that he was responsible for the production so why don't we start with that look if that had been his deathbed confession like we'd know <laughs> but it obviously wasn't was it in a clip taken from a movie titled shooting stanley kubrick produced by t patrick murray the aging director claims that he along with nasa was responsible for orchestrating a tremendous hoax at the expense of pretty much everybody in the world although in the clip he does not directly attach this hoax to the moon landing he does later say that with regards to the moon landing conspiracy theories were right on this occasion well that seems pretty slam dunk doesn't it except there's a twist 
While the Tinfoil Hat Brigade seized on this as irrefutable evidence that the entire thing had been staged, those who have taken the time to examine the evidence slightly more closely have a few things to say on the matter. Firstly, almost everybody who knew the director and has seen the clip claims that the man is not Stanley Kubrick at all, a claim which gains substantially more weight as we get further into it. Relatives of Kubrick have also outright stated that it is not him in the video and that nothing contained within the clip is factually correct. So, simply, wasn't Stanley Kubrick, was it? We know what he looks like. His family knows what he looks like. It wasn't him. Although, were this true, Kubrick, the director of 2001 A Space Odyssey, would have been absolutely perfect for the role of directing such a misleading video, there is one piece of evidence that quite conclusively proves that not only was he never interviewed in such a fashion, but that it would have been impossible for him to be interviewed in any way at all. That is, if you believe any of what Murray says. The website that contains the original confession video seems to have been taken down. However, I would not be doing my job properly if I didn't dig around a little, and with a piece of software not dissimilar to the Wayback Machine, I was able to resurrect the necessary information. According to the video's creator, he had been granted unprecedented access to interview Kubrick in May 1999. Now, I've heard people giving videotape deathbed confessions, but this one is particularly unusual. If it, as its creator claims, took place in May of 1999, then it would have necessitated the use of some sort of medium, since Stanley Kubrick died in March of that year. Although this pretty conclusively proves that Murray was not averse to telling the occasional lie, it by no means proves that the moon landing was not shot on a soundstage somewhere. So let's keep looking. Yeah, it doesn't doesn't prove that, but it certainly doesn't prove otherwise. It's just like, okay, so it's nothing, is it? Let's move on. Another reason that is often given to suggest that the moon landing was staged is that in the photographs that were sent back, there are no stars in the sky. Surely, that given the pictures contained the sky and the sky contained stars, it is inconceivable that no stars are visible in any of the moon landing pictures. This, at least, is the view of many people who do not understand cameras. As I myself do not particularly understand cameras, I shall leave it to Mike Constantine, director of Moonpans.com, to explain. He has this to say on the subject, and to quote, The question I get asked the most on social media when posting any Apollo mission photos is, why are there no stars? Some of the questions come from crazy moon landing deniers, but many are from genuine people who really want to know the answer. Stars are very dim. The lunar surface very bright. All of the photos captured on the lunar surface were taken with the astronaut's chess-mounted camera at a shutter speed of 1 250th of a second. This is because the bright sunlight was hitting the lunar surface with no filtration by an atmosphere and reflecting off the light-colored terrain. Apollo hardware and astronaut suits, etc. Stars, on the other hand, are extremely dim and would require a shutter speed of anywhere between 10 and 30 seconds, so a mere 250th of a second means no stars would be captured. The quote ends. Although this is often cited as a problem relating to cameras of the time, in reality astronauts visiting the moon would largely suffer the same problems today. When the next batch of astronauts visit, I am sure this tired old argument will be dragged out again. I just think about if you take a photo, let's say you're out and it's a very starry night, and you take a photo of someone standing there with the new mega iPhone or whatever that somehow manages to take photos in barely any lighting at all and make them look great. And if you've got a person in the foreground, they're going to look bright. You know, they're going to be there. The background is just going to be dark because that's how photography works. The flag. Given that the moon doesn't have any atmosphere, you'd be unlikely to find any noticeable breeze on there, would you? Well, so, say conspiracy theorists, how exactly do you explain the fact that in the video of Neil Armstrong planting the flag, it's waving as if blown by the wind? 
There is wind in the Nevada desert. There is wind in the Hollywood Hills. This must mean that the moon landing was filmed in one of those locations. This particular argument is exceptionally easy to discount. According to NASA, the flag was waving simply because Armstrong was rotating the pole back and forth in order to secure it in the lunar surface. Now, what people are going to say, of course NASA would say that, and isn't that convenient? Fortunately, we don't have to take NASA's word on this one. <laughs> Stupid lying NASA. The two astronauts that first visited the moon, along with ten others that would follow in their dusty footsteps, collected hundreds of samples of lunar soil and rocks. Many of these samples have been verified by non-NASA experts who have, assuming that it is not completely obvious, confirmed that the rocky surface of an untouched celestial body would not be the easiest place to install a pointy stick and that it would have been necessary to put a little bit of effort in in order to have the flag stand on its own. Had the moon been made of something more malleable, such as cheese, for example, this would have not been necessary and the flag would not have moved. Interestingly, out of the six American flags planted on the surface of the moon, only three are believed to still be standing. I wonder if the others were blown over. Though they weren't, there's no wids. <laughs> they just fall over, probably because they weren't put in very well, and just degradation over time. I think there's also the belief that they're all just going to be white now, because they're just being constantly blasted by sunlight for 50 years. 50-something years. Just doing my maths there. I know that I briefly touched on the rocks brought back from the moon, but it is certainly worth looking at them in more detail, and they and their independent verification provide serious evidence in favor of the original lunar story being true. According to Encyclopedia Britannica and many, many other sources, 382 kilograms of lunar rocks were brought back to Earth by the 12 astronauts that walked on the surface. NASA says on their website, between 1969 and 1972, six Apollo missions brought back 382 kilograms, 842 pounds of lunar rocks, core samples, pebbles, sand, and dust from the lunar surface. The six space flights returned 2,200 samples from six different exploration sites on the moon. In addition, three automated Soviet spacecraft returned important samples, totaling 300 grounds, approximately three quarters of a pound, from three other lunar sites. Now, if you believe NASA, that's all well and good. Those who are inclined to think that these samples were falsified in some way might be interested in this next bit. At the Lunar Sample Building in Johnson Space Center, nearly 400 samples of lunar rocks and soil are sent out to independent laboratories and educational establishments every year. Although you could put forward as a compelling argument that institutions such as MIT could possibly be bribed by NASA to provide the verification that they required, even the most hardened conspiracy theorist would have a tough time believing that the Soviet Union and more recently Russian scientists would go along with them exactly. And also, even if it was all American ones, it's like the amount of bribery and or whatever would be going on would eventually come out because there has to be so 400 a year it's an awful lot someone's gonna squeal it has been postulated by some that nasa actually obtained these samples with the use of lunar rovers and some other semi-autonomous equipment but due to the huge amount of samples in their possession this doesn't stand up at all it took three automated soviet missions to return 300 grams of samples to earth the constant stream of automated collectors that would have been necessary to obtain 382 kilograms would have been so prohibitively expensive that had the moon landing been a hoax it would have been cheaper to actually go there the deadly van allen belts the next theory that we'll look at was put forward by German-American writer Bill Casey in his self-published book titled We Never Went to the Moon, America's $30 Billion Swindle. According to an incredibly informative channel called Today I Found Out, that <laughs> Casey claimed to be an expert in the field, but the only experience that he had in such matters was working briefly as a technical writer for Rocketdyne, the company that built the Saturn V rocket. I myself have written several scripts for Mega Projects. It's another channel I do in which I included the technical specifications of several aircraft. So by 
by Casing's logic, I should sell my services as a fighter pilot expert. <laughs> During his time of employment, he claims to have gained access to top-secret NASA documents outlining the probability of a successful lunar mission. According to this alleged document, the probability was almost zero. Why would a random technical writer at a subcontractor of NASA get access to this stuff? It's just silly. So, what did obvious and, and something that would obviously be very top secret. So, what did this all-knowing expert write in his book? Among other things, this book claims that traveling to the moon was completely impossible because in order to do so, astronauts would have to travel through the Van Allen belt. So, what exactly are these belts? Discovered by a group of American scientists working under the supervision of Dr. James Van Allen, these belts are made of charged radioactive particles, mostly the product of solar winds. The radiation they cause can be problematic to satellites that spend a lot of time moving through them and so they require adequate shielding. But how dangerous are they to a group of astronauts passing through them in a spaceship? Well, according to many people who cite them as definitive proof that mankind never went to the moon, anybody passing through them would either be cooked as in a microwave oven or would die from radiation sickness shortly afterward. So is this true? Well, kind of. A spacewalking astronaut who, for whatever reason, elected to spend a long time outside in, the one of the, in one of the most radioactive areas within these belts would almost certainly suffer some serious effects. However, given that NASA was already aware of these dangers, they calculated a trajectory that would take them through the belts as quickly as possible while attempting to remain in areas of low radiation. According to an astrophysicist friend of mine, the radiation they experienced during the journey was actually less than what somebody would get working close to a nuclear reactor. So, certainly not enough to cook someone from inside out in a matter of minutes. Whether or not any of the astronauts who passed through the belt suffered any long-term effects, though, is difficult to say. When asked if any of the astronauts had suffered long-term radiation effects, Piers Jiggins, a European Space Agency engineer, said this, That's hard to say because there's a lot of personal data that is protected. Some astronauts have reported seeing radiation, some kind of snow or flashes of light that they can even see when their eyes are closed. The effect is well reported. The more long-term effects are harder to quantify because if someone gets cancer, there's no definite way to say whether that has come before the radiation in space or through some other behavior. Yeah, it's hard to tell, but they have these radiation detectors. They know how much radiation they were exposed to, and it's not these extremely dangerous levels like to cook someone like in a microwave oven. And it's just, this, I hate it when it's like with these conspiracy theorists. And it's just like, well, this guy just wants to sell a book, doesn't he? He just wants to get people to buy his book. And I'm sure it works. I'm sure he made a lot of money off it because money's a big motivator. In my opinion, that's what he's up to. So while traveling through the belt certainly isn't going to provide you with any health benefits, it would by no means prevent astronauts from traveling to and from the moon. Actual physical evidence. Apart from various flags, the various manned missions to the moon left behind a not inconsiderable amount of equipment. The first mission alone left behind part of the lunar landing module, the lunar rover, as well as lunar ranging reflectors. Those reflectors allow anybody in possession of a powerful enough laser to accurately measure the distance between the moon and the Earth at any given time. Additionally, whilst there exists no telescope powerful enough to view the other equipment on the moon, images from both NASA and the European Space Agency have confirmed their existence. Yeah, but NASA would say that, wouldn't they? The European Space Agency's in their pockets. Like, I feel like Japan also sent up a craft that saw it, and it's not just these guys. We know it's up there. The stuff's up there. In order to prevent this video from becoming a monologue of me shitting on the people who are wrong about stuff, let's take a slightly different angle and have a look at what some people have claimed the astronauts, spaceship, and NASA were actually doing when they were supposed to be landing on the moon. Oh, honestly, Dave, I'm totally happy with you. <laughs> 
this video being entirely us shitting on people that believe in the moon landing conspiracy because it's ridiculous given that thousands of people actually watched the apollo 11 launch with their own eyes very few conspiracy theorists have gone as far as to claim that this part of the mission did not actually happen however there have been a few interesting theories as to just what happened when the craft passed out of sight one of the most frequently recurring versions of events states that once apollo 11 made orbit it simply stayed there circling the planet until the staged video footage had been played and then it returns the astronauts to the ground at the appropriate time people who believe and more troublingly spread this story seem to forget that it was not only nasa monitoring the progress of the mission had apollo 11 simply stayed in orbit it would have been immediately detected by among other people the soviets who were very interested if nasa was faking it because then they still had a crack at it didn't they nevertheless let's take this and run with it for a moment were nasa the only people able to receive the broadcast from apollo 11 it certainly would have been possible to use pre-recorded audio conversations and simply combine them with the television broadcast however there is at least one verifiable story of an amateur radio enthusiast who skeptical about nasa's claims regarding the moon landing and interested to see whether or not any broadcasts might come from the moon and if they did whether or not everything sent back would be broadcast constructed his own antenna system and was able to receive a large amount of the ensuing radio traffic larry basinger was able to get approximately 35 minutes of vhf transmissions between nasa and the apollo 11 astronauts people who discount basinger's claims often state that if the radio signals were being broadcast by an orbiting apollo 11 then the fact that he could receive them on his homemade equipment does not in does not in any way prove that they were coming from the moon now before i discovered alcohol performing live music or generally going outside and socializing i spent a large amount of time during my early teenage years deeply involved with amateur radio yeah i remember dave mentioned this on a, on another was it on this channel whatever i think it was on casual criminal estate was talking about his amateur radio so i didn't really know anything about this before i get jumped on by radio nerds everywhere i will point out the following information is extremely simplified whilst a brief explanation of antennas is necessary a detailed thesis on the subject would be neither relevant nor interesting there are broadly speaking two types of antenna the first the omnidirectional antenna can receive signals from any direction and does not require much in the way of, of calibration besides tuning it to the correct wavelengths or increments thereof so is that like going to be a radio in the car or something the second type of antenna which is the type of antenna used to detect the transmissions from the moon is usually simply referred to as a directional antenna although often more sensitive these antennas need to be much more accurately calibrated in order to receive a signal they need to be pointed more or less exactly at the source of that signal this was especially the case with basinger's antenna he told reporters that quote its beam or field of view was such that once pointed at the moon it could be let go for a little while but pretty soon it would have to be re-aimed because the motions of the earth and the moon caused the moon to drift out of the antenna's field and the signal to be lost in fact this was one piece of evidence that the apollo 11 signals the receiver picked up were indeed from the moon end quote given that the point of this exercise had been to catch nasa out or detect secret messages basinger was particularly disappointed to report that absolutely everything was transmitted to the public on tv whilst things like this only prove that the apollo 11 craft actually went to the moon it does not prove that the broadcasts were not recorded in advance and simply played over the radio from an unmanned craft indeed several people have, yeah but you're going so deep now <laughs> it's like someone comes up with a debunking thing and you're then someone comes up with a yeah but <laughs> indeed several people have argued against this evidence by saying exactly that however when you start to add the evidence together the likelihood of a hoax 
begins to decrease greatly. Although every argument against the moon landing that we've discussed so far can simply be discounted by applying technical or scientific evidence, there are, out there on the internet, versions of events which are so outlandish and ridiculous that you don't even need any technical expertise to legitimately write them off. Take, for example, the claims of one alleged former employee of a Vegas casino. His story has been removed from the site on which it was originally posted for reasons that will shortly become clear to almost everybody, but I was able to locate a copy. According to this individual, it was absolutely impossible for three astronauts on Apollo 11 to have traveled or landed on the moon simply because, at the time they were supposed to be in space, they were drinking and partying in his unnamed casino. Yes, right, of course they were, because if NASA is pretending to send people to the moon, they're just like, yeah, just go to Vegas for the weekend, no worries. No one will see you, no one will be okay, easy, just go have a good time. He goes on to say that after immediately recognizing them, he took several photos to use as evidence. Unfortunately, and you're never gonna believe this, upon leaving work that night, he was approached by a group of official-looking individuals who confiscated his camera and threatened him with swift and dire retribution should he ever mention the incident to anybody. Now, as I said, this story does not really even require debunking, but let's quickly do it anyway. Even if it turns out that the Apollo 11 mission was completely unmanned and made the journey to the moon and back simply to accurately transmit radio conversations and a pre-recorded video, there is absolutely no way at all that NASA would spend millions of pounds orchestrating what would probably be the most elaborate hoax in human history, only to allow the three individuals who were supposed to be on board to be seen in public. I imagine that if they were not on board Apollo 11, they would have been kept in some sort of communication-proof bunker for the duration of the mission. If anybody seriously believes this story, then I will be happy to argue it with them in the comment section. Of course, apart from those who deny that mankind has ever landed on the moon, there are those who are perfectly happy to accept what we did but claim that NASA is hiding things from us. For example, the author of Extraterrestrial Archaeology. That sounds real. <laughs> Uh, by David Hatcher Childress, a man whose name has become synonymous with bullshit, allegedly, claims that the moon is long habited and that Mercury, Venus, Mars, and some of the moons of the outer planets show current or past signs of inhabitation. They don't. <laughs> Stop trying to sell books, you knob! In my opinion, being particularly reluctant to give any money to the charlatan, I did not actually purchase and read the book. Fortunately, this was not necessary. A quick search on YouTube provided me with a 53-minute video, video of him talking about the book and presenting his evidence as to exactly how we can prove the moon is inhabited. According to this video, available photographs clearly show huge vehicles moving around on the lunar surface and leaving tracks behind them. Clearly. Yeah, I bet it's clear. Just in case whoever edits this wants to include one of those pictures, I'm including a link and a timestamp. Yes, please do include it. Um, it's, it's absurd. It, <laughs> come on. Apparently, these vehicles which resemble large rocks are evidence of alien mining machines. No, no, no. What they're evidence of right now uh, in these photos, they're evidence of large rocks. Because that's what they are. Childress goes on to suggest that although NASA has carried out extensive studies on these rolling rocks, even they are unable to explain them. Finding this to be unlikely, I've looked into it for approximately one minute and discovered that in fact this is not true. The so-called rolling rocks or advanced alien mining machines, depending on who you believe, can be explained fairly easily. The moon, contrary to popular belief, is not an entirely dead sphere of rock orbiting the Earth. The lunar surface is subject to moonquakes, and as a result of this, boulders on its surface do move around, resulting in marks being left behind, which according to Childress are clear evidence of tracked vehicles traveling across the moon. I'll leave it up to Simon and anybody else watching this to decide which version of events is most likely. We know! <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's aliens mining the moon for moon rocks. They've come all the way to the moon to get moon rocks. Yep, that's what happens. That's real. 
Short of taking every single conspiracy theorist to the moon and showing them the physical evidence, which probably still wouldn't be good enough for some of them, there is no 100% definitive way of proving that the official version of events is true. There will always be a few skeptics who hope that one day some leaked government document will show the whole thing to have been a hoax. But does it actually matter? So what if there are a few crazies out there who choose to disregard any evidence they might be shown? I mean, it's not hurting anybody, right? Yeah, I mean, I guess. It's like the vaccine thing. It's like, well, that is hurting people. That is obviously a damaging, dangerous conspiracy theory, which, uh, Daniel Wakefield? David Wakefield? Wakefield, whatever that guy's name, the, the, the doctor who got struck off so he can't be a doctor anymore because he uh, falsified that data or whatever um, and came up just spearheaded this anti-vaccine movement that's incredibly dangerous and he's caused or led or allegedly indirectly led to many deaths so great job him moon conspiracies who gives a shit well interestingly maybe oh, okay dave then prove me wrong Let's see. According to a study in 2018 carried out by Cambridge University, the largest ever cross-national national study on conspiracy theories, people who believe that the moon landing was a hoax are much more likely to believe in far more dangerous right-wing rhetoric. A synopsis of the study claims that believers were found to be associated with a wide range of conspiratorial beliefs, with researchers uncovering that these groups are more likely to believe climate change is a hoax, vaccines are harmful, and that Illuminati-style groups rule the world. They also found that 33% of British and French people believe that their governments are obscuring the truth about immigration and many also supported the theory known as the great replacement which posits that muslim immigration is part part of a plan to make muslims the global majority shit's pretty wild like i believe the government's hiding shit from us of course the government's hiding shit for us they even say we're hiding shit from you it's called top secret or secret or classified and a black budget they hide stuff from us are they hiding this ridiculous shit no extremely unlikely <laughs> While you might think that this is obvious, that people who believe one thing are more inclined to believe other stupid things, yeah. The way the moon landing hoax is usually presented to the younger generation as definitive proof that government is always lying to you, coupled with the fact that we cannot as of yet 100% prove that we did land on the moon, means that it provides an excellent starting point for introduced world-altering lies such as the measles, mumps, and rubella vaccination causes autism. And therein lies the biggest problem. We as a species can no longer afford the luxury of assuming that common sense will eventually prevail. To quote the X-Files, the truth is out there. Sadly, given people's increasing propensity to believe whatever is written on Reddit by a random stranger, we really do have a genuine risk of that truth being forever buried. People like Hatcher Chardress and Izilk are not only guilty of conning the gullible out of their, in some cases, hard-earned money, but potentially erasing history and replacing it with fiction. Well said, Dave. The last part is nothing but my opinion. However, I'd be interested to hear Simon's take on the matter. Simon's take is exactly the same as you, your take, Dave, and you just said it better than I ever could, so I'll just leave it with you today. Before I finish today, I'd like to quickly reiterate what I believe to be the strongest point of piece of evidence in favor of the argument that we did, in fact, put a man on the moon in 1969. The Soviets were watching everything. If there was even the slightest possibility that they could have exposed the USA as a group of lying space race cheaters, then, to my mind at least, they would have seized the opportunity and never ever let go bang on dave and that's where we end today's video i thought it would be a long one because it's like the moon landing conspiracy it's a big one but it's so stupid that it's only a short video thanks for being here seeking the truth never gets old 
Introducing June's Journey, the free-to-play mobile game that will immerse you in a thrilling murder mystery. Join June Parker as she uncovers hidden objects and clues to solve her sister's death in a beautifully illustrated world set in the Roaring Twenties. With new chapters added every week, the excitement never ends. Download June's Journey now on your Android or iOS device or play on PC through Facebook games.